Welcome to the FHE Podcast, hosted by Amy and Maddie. We are the Fruity Horny Exmos. We are live. Live <laughs> from Utah, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we are again. Ep three. Ep three. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fruity Horny Exmos podcast, aka the FHE podcast. <laughs> we are really excited about today's topic, as it is a topic that is near and dear to <laughs> us as very near and dear gay women. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes. So today we are going through a PDF document from Latter Gay Stories. His name's Kyle Ashworth. He has a podcast called Latter Gay Stories, and he put together this document called On the Record, which is supposed to give all of the things that the church has ever said about LGBTQ plus topics. So yeah. So this will be real fun for everyone obviously and we imagine this will be at least two parts so we'll just say this is part one yep part one see how far we get it's a pretty big document and a wild time so let's just delve right into it shall we maddie yes (laughs) to begin i wanted to share this quote on the website, LatterGateStories.org. Um, it says, If we are to understand the direction we're headed as a community, we must acknowledge the places we've been as a church. True. That's the point of this whole <laughs> thing. So, yeah, Just accountability. Yes. Okay, so here are some descriptors <laughs> that church leaders have used to define homosexuality in and out of the church. Okay. So it's... A long list, but here we go. Okay, let's start. Just let's to give you a little taste of what we're in for today. Sure. Yeah, I'm ready for it. All right. You got um, diabolical, blasphemy, huh. pervert. Wow, starting strong. Uh, unnatural, I know. Abnormal, an affliction, immoral, impure, victim, <laughs> under the control of Lucifer, weak, transgressor, evil, ridiculous, sinful, Ugly. I feel like this should be like a rap. Yeah. Ugly. <laughs> I'm all, not like, a... all beatbox. <laughs> what are you saying? Predator. Wait, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> Sin of the ages. <laughs> Deceitful. Abominable. <laughs> Detestable. Crime against nature. Um, confused. Degenerate. Addict. Unmanly. Unseemly. <laughs> desperate. Diseased. Helpless. Promiscuous. Enslaved. Um, carnal, <laughs> selfish, aggressive. How long brutal. is this? It's long. I told oh you. My God. Abusive. We're almost done. Violent, hopeless, corrupt, filthy, dreadful, unhappy, and counterfeit. So that's it. Wow. There's a lot. That was really long. That reminded me of Lady Gaga with talented, brilliant, yeah, incredible, amazing, totally did. show-stopping, spectacular. That's all. Yeah, I that's fantastic. We re- memorized that one. One time we did. Yeah. Wow. Honestly, that was kind of a bop. It was. <laughs> And you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. That was you're just free on the fly. Yeah. Rapping, beatboxing. I personally liked Under the Control of Lucifer. I feel like that'd be a good band name. Yeah, that was a really great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should and make a band called that. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. We should just, one day, if we ever get to this point and we make merch, Ooh. we should just have... Under the Control of Lucifer. Like, just multiple things on 
Yeah. Like a almost like a list. <laughs> That'd be amazing. That would be fantastic, wow. I think. So great thinking. I think so. Anyway, wow, that's a lot of horrible ways to describe gay people. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first one, this is the first recorded discipline of same-sex activity for sodomy, as it says, or referred to as buggery. <laughs> what? I've, I've never heard When that. does it say have a date? Yeah, this was 1842. Buggery. Buggery. <laughs> oh, my God. Ew. What does, why? How no did that idea. even come about? I don't know. You should look that up. Yeah, that's actually hilarious. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> this was, it says, the first alleged account of discipline for sodomy, referred to as buggery, involved the May 1842 excommunications of John C. Bennett and Francis Higby. So John C. Bennett was a friend of Joseph Smith. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Uh, professionally, Bennett was a trained physician and provided medical services to the city of Nauvoo. John Bennett also was the mayor of Nauvoo, Illinois, and major general of the Nauvoo Legion. Damn. And then William Smith, uh, the brother of the prophet, publicly accused Bennett of having sexual relations with men. Historians also record that Joseph Smith caught Bennett having sex with 21-year-old Francis Higby on July 4th, 1841. Happy Independence Day. <laughs> True. Good for <laughs> you, buddy. Good for you. And then Bennett was also accused of seducing the sisters, quote unquote, of Nauvoo, hmm. leading historians to believe that he was not a homosexual in the modern sense, but rather polyamorous or bisexual, open to a variety of sexual experiences. Good, Good for, for you. you. Love um, is love. Exactly. Sex is sex. Exactly. Listen, Pride Month's coming up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love is love. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, so it says, church records claim that Higby and Bennett were excommunicated guilty of, quote, a crime not fit to be named. <laughs> but also buggery. <laughs> buggery. <laughs> buggery. <laughs> I can't with that. I know. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, wait, but there's more. Ooh, cool. Um, so shortly after John C. Bennett was excommunicated, Bennett publicly accused Joseph Smith of also having multiple sexual relationships alluding that these relationships extended among the sexes so joe so, hmm. okay so then polygamy could have been uh, not just one wife but maybe maybe some some, some men sprinkled in there <laughs> ew okay <laughs> um so in his defense joseph smith published um something against the character of bennett um Denying that he was married to or had relations with other women, including relationships with other sexes. And they were published in 1842. And then Joseph Smith immediately assembled the citizens of Nauvoo to manifest, quote, manifest to the world that so far as we are acquainted with Joseph Smith, we know him to be a good, moral, virtuous, peaceable, and patriotic man and a firm supporter of the law, justice, and equal rights, uh-huh, that he at hmm. all times upholds and keeps um, invi inviolate the constitution of this state and of the United States. Hmm. So there was a vote that was taken to affirm what Joseph Smith said. Um, He's definitely not gay, guys. We voted on it. We, we decided. Yeah. There's the no majority. possible way. Yeah, so that was like an attempt to exonerate him. 
of charges of buggery and buggery. multiple wives. Mm-hmm. So, and three people voted against it, and one of them was Orson Pratt, who was an apostle. So he was like, "No, that bitch gay." He he voted against the what you just against read. affirming Joseph Smith. Yeah. So it so says, he's like he's like. Mm. So this says, President Joseph Smith spoke in reply on July 22nd, 1842, and it was a question to Elder Pratt. Have you personally a knowledge of any immoral act in me toward the female sex in any other way? And then Elder Pratt said, personally, toward the female sex, I have not. Hmm. It's kind of like, have you heard the term God's loophole? Yeah. I feel like that's the similar thing where... You know, with a woman, God's loophole is <laughs> apparently anal, <laughs> but <laughs> in this sense, it's a man. <laughs> Still anal. Exactly. God's loophole, and it holds up. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, that honestly. Yeah. So in summary, mm-hmm. it says, Pratt declined to answer whether Joseph Smith had committed any immoral act with someone other than a woman, but also declined to exonerate the prophet from such a charge. Hmm. So he was like, no, I won't tell you. But also he's like, "Mm." but also I know something you don't. Exactly. All right. Moving on. Wow. Hmm, Cool. 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 Utah history. Ready? (laughs) I'm really not, (laughs) but okay. Um, So the first law to address sodomy in Utah was written in 1851. And the criminal code specifically prohibited any man or boy from engaging in or attempting to engage in any sexual intercourse with any of the male creation. The 1851 law was found to be unenforceable. Interesting. Hmm. (laughs) And the new 1852 code removed the 1851 sodomy language. Because sodomy was no longer mentioned in the law, it was thereby legal in Utah. To? To be gay. Okay, wow. But then, you know, early Utah records suggest there's a religious stigma attached to homosexuality. Shocking. Even though the government didn't really, like, show any further interest in outlawing it. Okay. And then lesbians were not held to the same standard, especially in religious circles. So here's an example from 1856. Let's hear it. A married woman from Salt Lake City was publicly accused of trying to seduce the daughter of a local man, but no charges were ever brought against her. However, only a year later, a man was brought before the law and his church leaders. The man was castrated for a sexual crime. So then the government, which was also run by church leaders, they didn't enforce new sodomy laws, but the church began to give out penalties of their own. So 1857 to 1859, there were at least three castrations while Brigham Young was the president of the church. Wow, I'm shocked Shocked. by that. Brigham Young was terrifying. Yeah. And absurd, honestly. Yeah. But castration? Yeah. That's horrible. Also, he has a trans son, so. Brigham Young does? Yeah. (gasps) I think it it talks about it later on, so we'll see. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. Okay. Well, we'll Just find in out. case. Now I'm doubting myself. Okay. Anyways. So then in 1876, so like 20 years later, the legislature in Utah enacted laws that once again criminalized sodomy defined as anal sex. God's loophole. Mm-hmm. God's loophole. Um, and if found guilty, you had to go to jail for 10 years. Huh. So Well, ooh. Joseph Smith, get ready. 10 ooh, years ooh, in jail ooh. for... 
God's loophole, <laughs> according to Orson Pratt. Yeah. <laughs> and here are the three instances of castration really quick. Mm-hmm. So 1857, a 24 year old named Thomas Lewis was castrated by Bishop Snow of Manti, Utah. Shout out. Ooh, <laughs> cool, and cool, then cool. Um, 1858, Henry Jones was castrated by, quote, men disguised as Indians for a sexual crime. What's up with Mormons <laughs> like, <laughs> and disguising themselves? Oh, my God. If you're going to be that horrible to castrate someone for just putting it in the butt, at least have the audacity to not blame it on <laughs> indigenous people. members yeah, of the... <laughs> fucking land that you stole <laughs> exactly God. exactly wow that's yeah infuriating yeah and then the last one there is there isn't a name but it was in 1859 and it's believed that he was also castrated by bishop snow in manti great so and brigham young about bishop snow said bishop snow was trying to do what was right he should be sustained in his calling how are you fuck by off castrating young. people fine okay yep great anyways moving on Mm -hmm. this one is from harley p pratt okay and basically he said that spirits in heaven would thank god for preventing gays to be born here's the quote (laughs) yeah what okay (laughs) or if we like the sodomites or canaanites were full of all manner of lawless abominations holding promiscuous intercourse with a similar sex and stooping to a level with the brute creation and predisposing our children by every means in our power to be fully given to strange and unnatural lusts, appetites, and passions. Would it not be a mercy to cut us off root and branch and thus put an end to our increase upon the earth? You will all say it would. The spirits in heaven would thank God for preventing them from being born into the world under such circumstances. Yes, they would, for they could say, now there is an opportunity for us to take bodies in the lineage of a noble race and to be educated in the true science of life and in the commandments of God. Oh, what an unspeakable contrast between being a child of Sodom and a child of Abraham. Honestly, Cool. I'm going to say I'm not drunk enough to hear some of the shit that we're going <laughs> to hear, but we're not that drunk. <sighs> we're not. We're not. We've had one drink. One, one <laughs> drink. Yeah. No. But something that I'm going to bitch about a lot is the fact that even back, when was that? 1853. Cool. So back in 1853, they're like, if our kids see gay people, they're going to be gay. It's like indoctrinating our kids. It referenced that, right? Uh, yeah, predisposing our children. Yeah. That's not going to happen. That's not how it fucking works. works. If you want to learn how to indoctrinate people... <laughs> Just look at yourself. Look, look at your- in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> look at what you've done and what you've become and where you started from. Yeah. Wow. That was... Uh, I'm a rapper. Anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. I hair flipped, but no one saw it. Except Maddie. I saw it. Anyway. But... We, we were have feelings about that. We were literally raised by straight people. Mm-hmm. We're gay as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So take that. So I just don't understand <laughs> why it's always been a thing like, oh, I don't want that pushed on my kids. Yeah. That literally, someone said that to me literally on Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like <laughs> pushing the same 
gender. We're not even. That's the thing. We are not pushing that on anyone. We're just literally trying to live We're our lives. Just out trying here. to be human beings who happen to love women each other each other women aka women (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) anyway okay so this one is about brigham young responding to transgenderism a historian named a milton musser in his personal journal talked about how he came to adopt a daughter and it might indicate or you know that this is the first written account of a transgender person okay in the salt lake valley Okay, I was going to say, couldn't have been. Yeah, no, no, no. But yeah, in the Salt Lake Valley and then what Brigham Young said. Yeah. Almarin Groh has given me his daughter, who is 12 years old, to raise. He has appointed me as her guardian. President Young has given him a mission to go south and never return. Though naturally what? smart, he has become immeasurably insane, wearing his wife's clothing, etc. So Almarin was expelled by, by Brigham Young in 1858 and lost custody to all his children. Groh continued to petition Brigham Young for custody of his children in exchange for being expelled from Salt Lake. So Brigham Young never granted his repeated requests, and Almarin died in California at the age of 91. What the so, fuck? Yeah, so he lost his, his kids Be- and was kicked out. He was kicked out of the church, and then... Brigham Young was the prophet at the time. Yeah. So the prophet was like, um, fuck you. Get out of here. And no kids for you. Exactly. How the hell is that legal? And also, like, how is that good for the children? It's not. Yeah. His 12-year-old daughter went to go live with this random. someone. Yeah. With a Milton Musser. <laughs> and yeah, he said he's smart, but he's insane because he's wearing his wife's clothing. Cool, 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 cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Okay. Great. (sighs) All right. And then this one is titled Polygamy, a remedy to homosexuality. (laughs) So (laughs) a talk in 1879 general conference, George Q. Cannon gave scathing remarks against the false tradition of heterosexual monogamy, celibacy, and the crime against nature, a.k.a. homosexuality. So, Cannon's conference address focused on the disproportionate number of women, a.k.a. potential wives and baby makers, in comparison to the number of men. So, Cannon believed that women who wanted to marry should marry, even if it was polygamous. His remarks also allude that polygamy and keeping men occupied with wives might prevent those men from being gay. So here's the quote. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (sighs) All right. So, but it is a most difficult thing to get these Latter-day Saints to understand the principles that are as plain as the noonday sun, that they should receive readily. And why? Because, as I have said, they are heirs of the traditions of centuries that have come down through the dark ages. It is a wonderful thing to do what we have done respecting women rolling my eyes <laughs> Look how at are what? you respecting women by making multiple women be married to one <laughs> fucking loser of a man he goes on <laughs> oh great look at what monogamy has done look at its effects trace its influence from the death of the apostles or soon afterwards down to this the 19th century and what do we behold why in every generation a large percentage of our sisters have has been consigned either to that nameless condition of which it is a shame to speak, gay. or 
probably. I'm not sure what he's referencing there. Or have died without ever knowing the joys of maternity. Ew. How are you respecting women by forcing them to be mothers? Yeah, just... They're just Nothing fucking wrong with being like cattle for you at that <laughs> but point. Also, choice. Yeah, like <laughs> honestly, if you are forcing them to get married and have children, like, do they want that? Do you care? Probably not. But also, the whole concept of this is absurd because they're essentially saying about gay men, if you have multiple wives, you'll be too busy to be gay. Why would you want to be with a man if you have? 16 wives yeah yeah that really smart thinking did that work uh probably not probably not mm-hmm. listen gay people have always existed yeah they just couldn't talk about it before and i hate the argument of people saying everyone's just gay now it's like no no people have been gay forever mm-hmm. exactly but now we're just sick of your bullshit mm-hmm <laughs> Yep. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) So this one is about John Taylor, who was the third president of the church. It says, as had become customary, early Latter-day Saint leaders generally handled the punishments of same-sex relationships with discretion. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's just a shock. That's a shock to me. Yeah. Honestly. Putting things under the rug? Never. (laughs) That doesn't sound right. (laughs) What are you talking about? Couldn't be the church. Could not. So often people who were accused of this were exiled and ostracized from the community. But, you know, there's no records of any discipline, of Mm -hmm. course. So we just have, like, personal journal entries of what happened. So... The second counselor to John Taylor was Joseph F. Smith, who served his mission in Hawaii. And he he used Hawaiian words in his writings, especially when it was about sensitive subjects. Mm. So in November 1879, Joseph F. Smith had a long discussion with 26-year-old Arthur Bruce Taylor, who is the eldest son of John Taylor who was the prophet at the time. Mm -hmm. And at the conclusion of the meeting, President Smith wrote detailed notes about the conversation in his personal journal. So among the writings was the acknowledgement that Arthur Bruce Taylor was admittedly a cane, which, gay. Like (laughs) C-A-I-N? A-C-A-N-E. I think it's a cane. I don't know. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you were saying, like, he was a... Like, oh, Cain, no, no, like no. Cain and Abel. Oh, no, 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 no. Type of thing? Yeah. Okay, A-C-A-N-E. I don't okay. know how to pronounce that, but I'm yeah, guessing I think it's that's right. Yeah. But yeah, that just, it, gay, basically. Okay. And so that is a Hawaiian word, I believe. Okay. And so someone who is labeled a Cain is unashamed of their sexuality or experience. And in Hawaiian culture, there is no stigma attached to those relationships. So they were official. They weren't hidden. Hell Yeah. And their sexual relationship was natural at the time. And there was a social structure that maximized harmonious living by embracing all family and sanctioning many types of relationships, including same-sex ones. Wow. And transgender people, adoption, and multiple lovers. So that's cool. That is really cool. I didn't know that. 
After the meeting, he moved away, Bruce Taylor did, from Salt Lake City and went to Oregon where he went, he practiced law and he died in 1934 at the age of 80 and he never married, probably because he wasn't allowed to. Yeah, I love when it's stuff like that where anything back then where they're like, yeah, they never married, but they had like a close personal friendship or something like that. I'm yeah. like, so they were gay and they just didn't say it. Yeah, exactly. So... Definitely applies here, too. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next. <laughs> this was September 4th, 1882. Joseph F. Smith, who was a member of the First Presidency, was made aware of a group of teenage males in Richfield, Utah, that were actively engaged in homosexual activities. And this, was, this was his response. Mm-hmm. Get the names of all of them and cut them off from the church for obscene, filthy, and horrible practices. To the group of young men, Joseph S. Smith referred to the activity as a monstrous iniquity for which Sodom and Gomorrah were burned with fire sent down from heaven. Cool. So in this in this statement, Joseph S. Smith made a complete reversal of his prophet uncle's non-sexual interpretation of Sodom's destruction. Mm-hmm. Parley P. Pratt and George Q. Cannon also pushed this familiar narrative, deviating from Joseph Smith's teachings on the subject. Okay. So Joseph Smith said Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed just because they didn't listen to prophets. Oh, okay. But then they started being like, no, it's because they were gay. No, it's because they're they're fucking. Yeah. Wow. And honestly, remind me again that what they say about how the church doesn't change. Yeah. How it's constant. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, when they're like, oh, this is a revelation sent from God. But no, it's just... Like, why would, if Joseph Smith, back in the day, right, in the beginning of the fucking church, was like, no, they weren't listening to the prophets, and that's why they were burned, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, however many years, 20, 40 years later, they're like, no, it was because they were gay. Mm-hmm. And then they just stuck with that narrative. Cool. I mean, it's literally called sodomy. Yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know. I need to research more about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so frustrating when people in the church say, no, our prophets, like, definitely hear God. And it's definitely not just them being intolerant and deciding that they want to discriminate or be hateful against this group of people. Yeah. Like, hate the sin, love the sinner. Fuck that. Yeah, you hate no. that person. Mm-hmm. You hate the, the sin, quote unquote, the sin yeah. is, is, is who they <laughs> is are. Is part of who they are. Like, yeah. uh, anyway. I know. I, I hate that because it's, it's just like, there's like no accountability there. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, yeah, I think that's going to be the main point of us. Mm-hmm. using this podcast to deconstruct our faith is just the fact that you know what's funny is the church will always tell you to take accountability for your actions yeah. go talk to your bishop mm-hmm. repent yeah etc and so many people do that so many people are traumatized by that yep i Be- was yeah i was it's too it's traumatizing it is. and yet the church is like mm, what we don't give apologies. Yeah, like it was <laughs> God. Okay, what a fucking cop out. Yeah, it is a cop out. All they need is one goddamn prophet 
to stand up on the pulpit Mm -hmm. during general conference or whatever and say, you know what? We've made mistakes. Yeah. There have been racist policies. Yeah. And (laughs) I, you know, obviously I wish that hadn't happened. And I wish that all these, you know, hundreds of years of people being persecuted or discriminated or ostracized hadn't happened, but it did. And I'm sorry. And this is our public acknowledgement of those things. Of that. That's all I am looking for, honestly. That's it. If they would just acknowledge all of the harm that they've caused and continue to cause. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they're... You know, no. Refuse. That would, I don't see that happening anytime soon, honestly. Oh, I don't see it ever happening, honestly. So. Anyway. Cool. That was a rant, but. It was a rant. Also, confirmed, Brigham Young did have a cross-dressing son. So, Brigham Morris Young was the 35th child. Jesus fucking Of Brigham Young and Margaret Pierce. Brigham was a cross-dressing drag artist who performed under the pseudonym Madame Petrini. So I was Hell yeah. So Madame Petrini sang in North and Central Utah venues from 1885 to the 1900s and sometimes the Tabernacle. That's amazing. amazing. So Morris could produce a convincing falsetto and many in the audience didn't realize... That it was Brigham Young's son. That's <laughs> so. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yes. Historical accounts detail Young's cross-dressing as strictly for public entertainment. There's no evidence supporting the idea that Morris was a queer-identifying person. He just loved the dress. I mean, also, it is. I mean, either way is fine. Every, obviously, exactly. Either way is fine. I just think everything's a spectrum. Yeah. So, I think you know you can love wearing dresses and you can be. A straight man. Yeah. Cool. I mean, there's plenty of drag queens out there that they just really love how it makes them feel. And they still, you know, are heterosexual. Yeah. Cool. They're not, you know, they're not transgender. Like, they are like cis, cishet individual yeah. mm-hmm. that just likes to do drag. I love that. So it's not, it's not impossible for that to be the case. But I do yeah. love that that was back in the fucking 1800s. Yep. That 1885 to the 1900s. That this person, that Brigham Young's child was participating in drag. That's... I know. Incredible. (laughs) Honestly. And also, Morris Young was one of the original founders of the Young Men's Mutual Improvement Association, which was what kind of came before the Young Men's Program in the church. Okay. Fun fact. So, Sarah Louise Louis Bouton Felt. That's what's a name. I mean, Louie is uh, a nickname, but mm-hmm. she was the first general president of the children's primary. So she served from 1880 to 1925. And she was also the co-founder and frequent writer of the children's friend, the pioneer edition of the current friend magazine. And on September 4th, 1878, Louis B. Felt was chosen by Eliza R. Snow, which I believe was one of Joseph Smith's wives, to be the president of the Primary Association in the Salt Lake 11th Ward. On June 19th, 1880, Felt was selected as the first general president of the primary by John Taylor, who was the president of the Quorum of the Twelve at the time, and the acting church president. So Felt was set apart by Taylor, who was assisted in the blessing by Eliza R. Snow. And it is widely believed that Louis Felt was also a lesbian. Oh my God, lesbian, lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. 
So Latter-day historians also believe that May Anderson, her successor in the general primary presidency, was her romantic partner. So May Anderson was not the only woman Louis felt affectionately for. Journal entries and personal stories reveal that Felt had intense and committed relationships with other women as well. Historians are confident that at least one of those relationships was romantic. I bet. So, I, I believe that. Yeah. So when she was 16 years old, she married Joseph Felt, a man who was a lot older than her. And according to a biographical sketch published, published in 1919 in The Friend, Louis fell in love with Lizzie Minear, a single woman, in 1874, and from that love, encouraged her husband to marry her as a plural wife. <laughs> Louis' affection to Lizzie was in part to bring children into the family, because Louis could not have kids. She was infertile. And for the loving companionship that Louis desired in her life, that she wasn't getting from her husband. Wow. Clearly. Joseph agreed and married Lizzie a year later in 1875 and in 1881 married Elizabeth Tidwell. So shortly after the 1890 manifesto against polygamy was signed, Louis' polygamist husband, Joseph, moved out of the family home and shortly thereafter, May Anderson moved in. Louis and May continued to live together, sleeping in the same bedroom of a multi-room home for 40 years <laughs> until Louis' death. And they were roommates. And they were roommates. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, that's amazing. She was like, listen, husband. Get the fuck out. Marry this other lady. What a power move. Because I love her. And then (laughs) May Anderson moves in as well. They lived for 40 years together. In this multi-room home. In the same bedroom. How could you not be like, hey, let's like get freaky. (laughs) (laughs) Within the church, they were often referred to as the David and Jonathan of the primary, which is a term that they embraced. So What does that mean? I don't know, actually. Is that a gay reference? Wait, no, I want to look it up. Okay. May Anderson never married during her life. Even after the death of one of Joseph's junior wives, Elizabeth Tidwell, Louis and May raised the children of Joseph and Elizabeth together. Journals from those stepchildren detail the close relationship of Louis and May, including the acknowledgement that each shared an affinity for each other. Gay. (laughs) Gay. Okay, what's David and Jonathan of the primary? So David and Jonathan, this is in the Bible. So Jonathan was the son of Saul, the king of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and David was the son of Jesse of Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah, and apparently the rival for the crown. David and Jonathan were, according to the Hebrew Bible's books of Samuel, heroic figures of the kingdom of Israel who formed a covenant taking a mutual oath. So, gay? Mutual oath? (laughs) Hmm. Interesting. These are interesting. In the book of Samuel in the Bible, it stated that Jonathan loved David, And then in 2 Samuel, it records David's lament after Jonathan's death, in which he said that his love for Jonathan was more wonderful than the love of a woman. Wow. Yeah. So basically, he loved him more than he could have loved a woman. Yeah. And May and Louis were referred to as David and Jonathan of the primary. Wow. Which they embraced that. I love that they were like... And they shared an affinity for each other. Wow. That's gay. That's fucking gay. That's Happy so for you cute guys. and gay. And they got to live together for 40, 40 years, years because their husband a had free to house. move out. Well, May Anderson didn't marry. Yeah. But. Did the other ones stay? Did, were, were all of them there? Because remember there was two I wives, right? I don't know. Right? There's 
Okay, wait, hold on. So there's Louie, there's Lizzie, there's Elizabeth, and then May moved in for some reason. I don't know if Elizabeth Tidwell and Lizzie Mynamir were there. Okay. Well, either way. Yeah, either way, they shared the same bedroom, so. Yeah. Wow. Gay. Yeah. Should we just say affinity equals gay? Yes. Like, <laughs> you can you can slap a different word on it, but we know it means gay. Yeah, exactly. So the next one is about when Oscar Wilde came to Utah as part of his American lecture tour. Okay. He would wear shoulder-length hair in ringlets and a matching black velvet coat and pants, a vest, black stockings, silver buckles on pointed shoes, and ruffles on his shirt and cuffs. Okay. So gay. He was everything a Mormon leader did not want their members to embrace, obviously. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so he was touring, preaching the gospel of the aesthetic movement, which was popular during the last half of the 19th century. And it was a movement that celebrated good natural art. So Wilde believed that people should surround themselves with beautiful things in order to be happy. So he was dubbed the sunflower apostle because That's he, so cute. his followers usually would wear they would wear sunflowers as a show of affection. <sighs> um, I love that. I know, isn't that cute? The Latter Day Saint leaders were obviously not excited. <laughs> That he was coming. Shocking. Because it's, as we know, it's their goal to remain in the world, not of the world. But they still agreed to host Oscar Wilde and his male partner while he visited. Hmm. So he met with John Taylor at his home, the Gardo House, which was built by Brigham Young for his favorite wife, (laughs) Amelia. And President Taylor was very proud of the house. Um, It was very, like, Over the top. (laughs) Yeah. And they also took him to tour the tabernacle. Hmm. So, and Wilde was disturbed by the, quote, soup kettle design of the tabernacle (laughs) and commented that it was large enough to hold 14 polygamous families. He (laughs) joked that the seating was wife, 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 husband, wife, 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 wife. Wow, Um, okay. Comedian Oscar Wilde here. I know, amazing. He didn't like the pine columns that were made to look like marble pillars. And commented that Mormon decorations were only suitable for a jail. <laughs> so he mocked the Mormons for their disappointing aesthetics. Wow. Um, and obviously the Mormon leaders did not like that. Sure. So that only... But in- also, I got to say, it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty, pretty big stereotype of gay men to be like, this looks ugly as fuck. Yeah. But Oscar Wilde lived up to the hype. He did. Their dissatisfaction only intensified during the evening lecture, which he came to Utah to give. Because in the front row were effeminate men wearing sunflowers in their lapels. And at the time, he was pending tr- Oscar Wilde was pending trial in England for being homosexual. Wow. And it had, you know, he had attracted a mass of queer Salt Lake men. Hell yeah. And this made church leaders extremely... Uncomfortable. Um, yes. Especially George Q. Cannon. He was outraged. <laughs> No one fucking cares, George. Nope. If you want to be gay, just be gay. You don't have to be angry about other people being gay. Exactly. Honestly. And speaking of George Q. Cannon, here's some fun stuff that he said. I bet. Let's hear it. Um, So it says, if we may believe that that which is told to us without going into researches ourselves, it and other kindred wickedness is far too common. The same sin that caused the utter destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah 
This and other abominable crimes are being practiced. How will these be stopped? Only by the destruction of those who practice them. Why, if a little nest of them, homosexuals, were left that were guilty of these things, they would soon corrupt others as some are being corrupted among us. In coming to these mountains, we hoped to find a place where we could live secluded from the abominations of Babylon. But here in this secluded place, wickedness intrudes itself and is practiced in this land, which we have dedicated to the Lord as land of Zion. Cool. How can this be stopped? Not while those who have knowledge of these filthy crimes exist. The only way, according to all that I can understand, is the word of God is for the Lord to wipe them out, and there will be none left to perpetrate, perpetuate sorry, the knowledge of these dreadful practices among the children of men. And God will do it as sure as he has spoken by the mouths of his prophets. So that one's not great. <laughs> wow. So all the gays should die, yeah. according to George Q. Cannon. Mm-hmm. Again, the mental gymnastics of... <laughs> LDS people. Yeah. No matter what the fucking year is, the mental gymnastics they put themselves through is astounding because yeah. do you think if every gay person on earth died at one time, God forbid, and she would never let that happen. Exactly. Do you God think herself. that like you just cured homosexuality because there's just no one else? No. People are going to come to terms with their sexuality eventually. And it's going to return and you'll be like, it's because we weren't righteous enough. Oh, my God. Like, that's just, they'll always have an excuse to hate gay people. It doesn't matter what it is. And I, it's such a flimsy argument that they always, (laughs) always reference Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, you have nothing else. And fucking, if you believe Joseph Smith to be the true prophet back then, whatever, whatever (laughs) Whatever. the fuck was going on, I guess. He literally said that wasn't the reason. Yep. It's because they rejected the prophets. Not because of homosexuality. Yeah. But they just said, you know what? That's the only way we can get get it through the minds of these people is to say, if you don't stop being gay, then heaven will send fire down and kill you. Yeah. Essentially. Which, you know, I don't want to believe in God, in a God who deals would do with that. that. Who would do that? I don't really know what I believe in, but, you know, the God I believe in, <laughs> I guess, is not the higher power. Yeah. And not, is n- is not hateful. racist and homophobic and like the Mormon God is. And xenophobic yeah. and all of this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, no. God, like, this higher power is just, yeah, I think my higher power is just love. Yeah, I love that. And I'm going to say love's a woman. Hell yeah. (laughs) And she is like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Because I just want you guys to love each other. And Mm -hmm. you consistently come up with reasons to kill each other, basically. And that's what George Cucan wanted. Yeah. Just wipe out all the gays. Like we, I'm sorry, you didn't cross the plains to run away from the homos. <laughs> Maybe they did. We don't know. So Yeah. I, honestly, <laughs> if we found some ancient text or like, you know, from, from those years back then that said the pioneers crossed the plains to, uh, to running away from the gays, running away from the gays across the plains. Yikes. Yep, that's what happened. <laughs> yep. I guess so. I don't know. 
All right, the next one is uh, from Joseph Fielding Smith, and it's about how there's no gender outside of the celestial kingdom. So he says, in both of these kingdoms, the terrestrial and telestial, a.k.a. the bottom two, Mm-hmm. <laughs> there will be changes in the bodies and limitations. They will not have the power of increase, neither the power or nature to live as husbands and wives, for this will be denied them and they cannot increase. Those who receive the exaltation in the celestial kingdom will have the continuation of the seeds forever. They will live in the family relationship. In the terrestrial and the telestial kingdoms, there will be no marriage. Those who enter there will remain separately and singly forever. Some of the functions in the celestial body will not appear in the terrestrial body, neither in the telestial body, and the power of procreation will be removed. I take it that men and women will, in these kingdoms, be just what the so-called Christian world expects us all to be. Neither man nor woman, merely immortal beings, having received the resurrection. So, hmm. basically, in the... If you if you aren't aware of LDS teachings, there's apparently three levels of heaven. Celestial, terrestrial, telestial. Also, outer darkness, which is basically hell. So, they're saying that in telestial and terrestrial kingdoms of heaven, there's no gender. And that's what, yeah, like the outside Christianity beliefs are saying happens is that we just become immortal beings in heaven. That slaps. I love that. Yeah, there shouldn't be any gender. Why? Why does gender matter that much? And that like there's no procreation. Why would we need to procreate in heaven? Exactly. What? <laughs> And y'all are just making fucking shit yeah, up. Literally. What? How do we, how do they know? Th- what? what you just decided one day, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> All this shit happens in these lower kingdoms. Yeah. But then they change their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, because oh, wait, no, this actually happens. Years and years and years, right? When they were telling us that we all got our own planet. Yeah. Right. But now that's and then they, recently in the, in the past few years, yeah, they're like, they took that no. Out. Mm-hmm. Um. Cool. But the church is constant. Yeah. Like you know. Honestly, that's the thing. When I was still a member of the church, I was like the gospel. I can get on board with the gospel of yeah. Jesus Christ, like the actual gospel, mm-hmm. which is love thy neighbor as thyself. Yep. Etc. All that shit. Right. That's yep. all chill. Mm-hmm. That's all good. Cool. But <laughs> every other piece of bullshit that's happened outside of that is man that's not god and honestly you're bastardizing what god wanted by hating people because it makes you uncomfortable why does it make you uncomfortable why why does it matter it doesn't focus on yourself bitch yeah better yourself Mm -hmm. because let me tell you we are two mentally healthy queens <laughs> most of the time most doing of the time, our best. We have rough weeks. That's okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> normal, but we don't sit there and judge straight. I mean, well, we kind of do judge straights because... That's a joke, though. <laughs> we're a minority. We don't discriminate. <laughs> yes, we don't. We have... Bl- I have straight friends. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being straight. But just... That's the thing. 
I don't care. But if there's you're also nothing wrong with being, being gay. Yeah, there's that's nothing the thing. wrong with that that's, either. That's all we're trying to say here. Anyway, please I, don't take offense that we are making fun of. Yeah, straight listen, if you're straight, this is probably we love you. <laughs> it's character building, <laughs> exactly. So you're fine. We love you. Don't be hateful or homophobic or transphobic or xenophobic or racist. Boom. Mic drop. That's it. Anyway. <laughs> All right, moving on. This one is about secret surveillance of gay Latter-day Saints. So in November of 1945, the presiding bishop, LaGrand Richards, launched... What a name. I know. LaGrand. LaGrand. (laughs) He launched a continued surveillance of church-owned Belvedere Hotel and Temple Square Hotel to discover the evil homosexual practices of tenants. The hierarchy, President David O. McKay, J. Reuben Clark, Marky Peterson, and Charles H. Olson, who was the chief of police, expanded the scope of its investigations. About the same time, First Presidency Counselor Clark asked former Bishop Gordon Burt Affleck to organize a similar surveillance in the men's steam room of the Deseret Gymnasium. My God. So, spying on people to catch them in the act, I guess. Honestly, rolling my eyes. Yet again. Privacy. Why the <laughs> butting fuck? In, butting into people's business. Mm-hmm. Yikes. And yet, on the other side of that coin is the church protecting abusers, um, abusers. sexual assaults, abuse of power, mm-hmm. all of that shit. That's that. There's a right to privacy. Mm-hmm. That's you know private between the bishop and or the stake president and whatever. Yeah. But you know if you're gay, not in a church, just in your normal life. If you're gay and we find you, you're fucked. God. That's anyway. so sad. Yeah. God. Let's see. So this one is from J. Reuben Clark, who was the second counselor in the first presidency, and he says. So also the person who teaches or condones the crimes for which Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, we have coined a softer name for them than came from old. We now speak of homosexuality, which, it is tragic to say, is found among both sexes. <laughs> I, wonder, <laughs> I wonder if you girls have ever reflected on the thought that was in the mind of the man who first began to praise you for your boyish figures. What? Ew, boyish figures. Not without foundation is the contention of some then that the homosexuals are today exercising great influence in shaping our art, literature, music, and drama. There's more. Mothers, let no lack of teaching on your part lead to such a tragedy. Oh, so it's the parents' fault. Teach your daughters and equally your sons the truth about his transgression. And also, it should be noted that this is the first recorded instance where the words homosexual and homosexuality were used by a church official in public. Okay. And that was in 1952. Hmm. What's funny to me is how many times these fucking people will say stuff like the influence that we ha- the gays have. Do you think... Like, honestly, logically, (laughs) do you think if we had that much influence over the world through cult, like through art, the arts, entertainment, music, culture, all this shit, if we had that much influence, wouldn't every single person on earth be gay? 
Yeah. Just logically. Why would we yeah, have any straights here? Yeah. That's the frame of thought he's he's talking about there. So makes sense. Yeah. But it's just like, really, if you really think we have that much power, how are you not gay already? Yeah. Why was <laughs> gay marriage only only legalized in 2015? <laughs> it's 2015, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> I think it never would have even been a question. It would just be marriage yep. between anyone mm-hmm. that wanted to marry each other consensually. And they're an adult. That's it. Just think, like, honestly, just think about it logically. Why would we, if we have so much power, allow ourselves to be persecuted, you know? Yeah, do you think we want this? <laughs> yeah, do you think we want to be persecuted? We just want to be able to live our fucking lives. Yeah, and like everyone else. Just be able to do normal things. That's it. So yep. I hate that thought that we have so much influence that we can turn yeah. other people and gay. And in 1952... Yeah, relax. I'm not sure how much influence gay people had. Yeah, barely oh, any. What, just because you suddenly discovered more of them through your secret operations at the yeah, hotel at the hotel and the Yikes. steam room and shit? Like, yeah, people are gay. Get over it. Just let them be. <laughs> just <laughs> let us be. <laughs> let us be gay. Exactly. Anyway, anyway, this is the same guy, but two years later, Kay. 1954. He said, put your trust in God, my boys, and keep your powder dry. And what is your powder? The man who is unchaste has wet powder. Ew. The man who is guilty of that filthy crime of homosexuality has wet powder. Ew. So filthy crime. Cool. Why? <laughs> Why powder? I know. I hate that. What the fuck does that even mean? I don't know. Your powder. It was probably like a, a gun thing back metaphor. then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. Literally, J. Reuben Clark. I think it's so gay to be so obsessed with guns. I know. And it's really gay of them to also be obsessed with gay people. Yeah. Honestly, that's like the gayest thing. Why do you thing care so heard. much? I know. Like, stop. <laughs> God. Yep. I'm just saying, if you spend all of your time thinking about those gays out there having sex with each other that's fucking gay it is what's your problem what's your damage probably you're gay per our last episode just jerk off and (laughs) let it go exactly Mm -hmm. anyway Anyway. moving on (laughs) so this one comes from harold b lee and he says i want to warn this great body of priesthood against that great sin of sodom and gomorrah which has been labeled as a sin second only to in seriousness to the sin of murder how is being gay the same as murder oh wait no no no. it it's murder and then being gay well, and it's what's <laughs> funny is didn't in the last episode we talked about pornography and masturbation. Yeah, and they said the same thing about they that. They said the same thing. They really just like to toss that around. They're like, you know what? There's murder and then whatever fucking thing you're doing that we hate, that's second to it. That's yeah. it. It doesn't matter what it is. Anyway, there's more. I speak of the sin of adultery, which, as you know, was the name used by the master as he referred to unlicensed sexual sins of fornication as well as adultery. And besides this, the equally grievous sin of homosexuality, which seems to be gaining momentum with social acceptance in the Babylon of the world, of which church members must not be a part. Anyway. (laughs) I, I mean, it's just, it's just a lot. It is. Yeah. Like, uh, honestly, adultery, that's worse. Cheating on your spouse. Yeah. Infidelity. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. That. Sure, I can see that being a lot worse 
that's closer to murder than homosexuality. Like, I don't... What is the big deal? What's the deal? What is it? So the entire premise of the church's stance on homosexuality, in my opinion, stems back to sex is only for procreation, right? That's not true. Sex is a normal, healthy part of your body. Whatever sex means to you, that can be solo, that can be with partner or partners, and it doesn't have to be for procreation. Obviously, that is a part of it. That's how it works. (laughs) But also, if God didn't want us to have sex in a safe way without pregnancy, why why would God have allowed contraceptives to be made? We don't have good sex ed. We don't. <laughs> we know we don't, but it's just so funny to me that, I mean, honestly, do you think that could be a part of why there's not really good sex education in the churches? Because they don't want people to know that you can have sex without probably getting pregnant. Yes, of course. So we could directly link <laughs> teen pregnancy, STDs, everything like that to the church. Yep. Because they're like, those homosexuals, they want to have sex for fun. Yep. No. <laughs> if you're not having sex to make a child, yep. then it's wrong, and we hate it, and we hate you, and yep. it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. Love that for no one. But Okay, last one. For now. This is from Bruce R. McConkie in his book Mormon Doctrine, which we talked about last week. Yep. He says, loss of virtue is too great a price to pay even for the preservation of one's life. Better dead clean than alive unclean. Many is the faithful Latter-day Saint parent who has sent a son or daughter on a mission or otherwise out into the world with the direction, I would rather have you come back in a pine box with your virtue than return alive without it. So parents should want their child dead rather than unchaste cool what that's horrible jesus fucking christ terrible terrible messaging from 1958 (laughs) oh my god can you imagine if your parents were like you know what i'd rather you fucking die than ever be unclean whatever the church you know deemed yeah by the church's standards like okay Fuck off then, mom and dad. Bye. Yeah, that's horrible. I would rather not talk to you ever again Mm -hmm. than you wish I was dead instead of just having sex because sex feels good and it's fine. It's normal. It's It's healthy. Yeah, it's horrible. Bruce R. McConkie, a gem. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. They're all gems, (laughs) sounds like. Wow. Well, that was a great one to great one to end, end on for this episode. And also horrifying that I will think of rather yep, dead in a pine box than mm-hmm. alive and unclean. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> cool. Well, this <laughs> was sad <Yeah. laughs> for uh, gay people. Kind of a heavy episode. A heavy episode, but also I think illuminating for... A lot of people, even if you're not a part of the LGBTQIA plus community, if you were a member of the church or not, whatever, these are still things that clearly affected us for the entirety of the quote unquote restored gospel of Jesus Christ yeah. since Joseph Smith. Mm-hmm. So 
you can't really dispute that. These are literal quotes from church leaders throughout the years. And we are only in, what, the 50s, the 60s? Yeah, 1958. We're only on page 15. And there's almost 100 pages in this PDF. And I will say also that in the PDF, they have the source links. Yes. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe we can post, we'll post a link to find the PDF and Mm -hmm. then all the source links are in that PDF and big shout out to Kyle Ashworth, Kyle Ashworth, (laughs) who compiled this PDF. He's a cool guy. Yeah. (laughs) So, and, and what's his podcast again? Latter gay stories. Latter gay stories. Yeah. Perfect. Anyway, we will be back with another part. I'm sure this will be many parts because the fact that we're already in 1958 yeah. And only on page 15. Wow. We're yeah, there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of shit said in modern day times, which is depressing yeah. as hell. Yeah. I feel like, I, f- I feel like the old ones, they kind of make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately for the it time. makes sense for the time, but yeah, there are, you know, the most recent one in this podcast, just because I'm curious in this PDF. Yeah. Is 2021. Yeah. So this is not a new no, or and the majority an, yeah, of what is said has been said in the last 70 years. Uh-huh. So that's why we wanted to talk about it. Yeah, because I people are like, no, we love gay people in the church. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. No. No, you don't. And until the church, yet again, can take accountability for... Just acknowledge. What they've said, what they've done, and just there's just so much awful shit that's happened. Yeah. It's... It's not going to get better in the church. And I really admire gay members of the church who stay, stick in it and bring awareness and education and stuff. But I can't do it. That's taxing on your mental health. It shouldn't be. If they actually care to learn and know, then they should be doing their own education and their own research and stuff like that. That shouldn't be on you. I mean, good for them. <laughs> yeah, I, I do really admire those people. But it also so. take care of yourself because that's yes. really hard to yeah to be a part of and also be authentic to who you are. So that is the end of episode three yep. of the FHE podcast. We will be back with more parts of everything the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has ever said about gay people in future episodes. So if you want to actually look at this PDF yourself, we will put put a link uh, for that in the description of this episode. Also, feel free to follow us on social media and we'll post more things as we go along. Mm -hmm. It's just at... FHE podcast on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, I think that's the only places we're at currently. Yep, that is it for now. Yep. So yes, follow us. Oh. Tell your friends. Yeah, follow us. Thanks for listening. You know, all the things <laughs> that people always say at the end of these podcasts. <laughs> but anyway, we're so happy you came back to hear this episode. And Maddie, what should the manifestation be for this week? The manifestation for this week is take care of yourself. Be gay. Be gay. Do crime. Do crime. Just exactly. Don't do, don't cr- do crime, but be gay. Be gay. <laughs> and take care of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, especially if you're a gay member of the church. Yeah. Yeah. My heart goes out to you. Same. And good I don't luck. Know. <laughs> I'm, at a, I'm at a loss for words, honestly. Yeah, same. <laughs> anyway. 
we hope the rest of your week will be just as fruity and horny <laughs> as this episode was. Um, hopefully a little more uplifting <laughs> than this yeah. episode was. But also, education is good. Yeah. See, like it said, if we're to understand the direction we're headed as a community, we have to acknowledge the places we've been as a church. Yep. So I think it's important to talk about these things because, you know... These words have an impact. Yeah. <laughs> There's weight to words. Yeah. Like even if you intention versus impact, even if you don't mean for them to hurt someone, yeah. they will. They do. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to take accountability. So that's all we're looking for with this series of what the LDS Church has said about gay people. So <laughs> keep those ears peeled for some future episodes. And we outie. That's it. That's that's peace that's, out, that's folks. It. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> See you next week. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>